let's go back to why you think it's you know some people are saying ai replaces the need for god when it comes to like the the big question right does does ai replace god i think we have to ask ourselves for most people what is god what what, what is the idea idea or the concept of a divine being and i'm not going to go into any type of like religious perspective but you know the the overall kind of monotheistic perspective of a divine being is it is an all-knowing being it is an all-present being it is a all-connecting being uh and it is a uh this this thing that's bigger than ourselves oh my god literally is artificial intelligence replacing god all right, before we get started, and all y'all try to attack me, I'm a believer, I love God, and if my wife is watching this, I'm just having a little fun, a little topic, don't get all upset about it. Um, listen, we've got a really interesting guest on today who proposed this topic, and I was like, hey, that's edgy enough, just edgy enough to get my interest. Is artificial intelligence replacing God? But seriously, he has a really interesting breakdown of this. I actually don't know the answer, by the way. I don't know if he says yes or no. Um, I kind of want to hear about it on this podcast um but uh we know artificial intelligence is doing crazy things we hear chat gpt chat gpt chat gpt chat gpt everywhere um i'm using a little bit of it i haven't like fully dove in all right and i don't know why it's just mostly old dog new habits i'm like tinkering with it and getting there a little bit um i am super impressed um and i'm a little worried it's 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 interesting to see all the different ways it can um it can go so our guest today, I have a really funny story about him. Uh, we got somehow introduced to one another on Facebook. Uh, I made a post, he reached out, I reached out. I don't remember how it worked, but here's the funny thing. I'm calling, I'm gonna go call him the best salesman that I've ever probably met in my life because I reach out to him and I'm like, hey, do you want the post was about sponsoring one of our events. Says, you want to sponsor? He's like, hey, give me the details. Da, 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 da. He says, yeah, you know what? Maybe not this one, this isn't for us. I'm like, okay, cool, no problem. Next day, he posts something and I'm like, hey, I, I want that. And so all I know is within a time of about 48 hours, I was trying to sell him something. I ended up giving him money. And, I, and I've, I've noted that. I'm like, dude, that was good. I like that. Um, but I also don't give my money to many people. So that should tell you something. He made an offer I couldn't refuse. And he has really been doubling, tripling down on artificial intelligence and, um, and is the one of the, one of the leaders and experts in it. So not just talking about, today I don't wanna just talk about artificial intelligence and what it does for marketing. We'll talk about that too. I just wanna talk about what is it? What's happening? What's going on at a more deeper level here? Cause no one's talking about it. Everyone's talking about what it can do for you and how it can make you money and all the jobs and tasks you can replace. But what's going on at a deeper level? Is Terminator, have we officially kicked it off? Right, is this the end? I know, I'll tell you one thing. With Alexa, I say please, I say thank you. And um, with uh, ChatGPT, I say, are you available? Do you have a moment? Please, thank you. Because all I know is if the world's going to an end, that might give me that little edge. My wife, on the other hand, sweetie, if you're watching this, you need to be nicer to AI. I'm telling you right now, you are not nice to Alexa. And she's gonna lock you out of the house one day. Having said that, everybody, welcome to this interesting episode. Sean Q, Sean, bro. Artificial intelligence, replacing God, you just dive right in. Like, welcome to the show. Awesome to have you here. Um, I can't wait for the audience to learn more about you, but this question we gotta start with. Where are you going with this? Thanks, man. So I think we have to take a bird's eye view and have a little bit of a history lesson so we can have context of what AI and AGI are. Okay. So if you take a, I think there's a really easy way to understand this is um, in order to learn calculus, we have to have information that has been proven to be calculus, right? We have to have data in order to know this is calculus. And typically that comes in the form in a human form of like a textbook. And then not only, we, we can have the textbook of calculus, but that doesn't mean we're experts on calculus. What we also have to have is effort. We have to have the willingness or the ability to be able to learn calculus. We can have the effort though, and we can have the data, but there's a third piece that's really missing. And that third piece is our brain. Uh, if I were a bird and I had a bird side brain, no matter how much effort I put into it and no matter how much data that was available to me, I still wouldn't be able to acquire it. 
essentially what was happening was OpenAI and some of these other AI platforms that have been around since 2015-ish, uh, 2005, 2008, I think is when OpenAI came out, was they were on a scale trajectory. We have to put as much data into this as, as possible. We have to put as much effort into this as, as possible. And what OpenAI did that was very different, and they actually had something called the scale theory, was that they said, you know what, we have been putting so much information in, and we have a system that can process that information, but we need something called neurological links. Essentially what our brain does for ourselves, it's how do we find patterns? How do we see patterns? And on a human level, it's something called the reticular activating system or RAS. It's essentially the subconscious part of our brain that sees patterns. You buy a white car, you see white cars everywhere. After listening to this podcast, you're probably gonna start seeing white cars everywhere, because your RAS is seeing those patterns. And what ChatGPT3 did was they really began to leverage that pattern or that neurological linking between what does one word or one concept mean connecting to another. And so when I ask it to do something with ChatGPT3 or with GPT3, it was able to make those neurological links. And now we're at GTP4. And with GTP4, it's going from essentially a bird-sized brain to a much larger brain that can make more neurological connections and can take data and make what's called assumptions. It can now assume, what is it you want? What are you really asking for? Have you ever been in a conversation, essentially, Anique, where, um, you know, the... Uh, the person is saying something and potentially this is like with your wife. I know this is the conversation I've had with my wife where, oh, I'm fine, right? She says, I'm fine. Well, a GTP, a, a GPT three or two level would say, okay, cool. She's great. I'm solid. We're, we're good. <laughs> and now we have a GPT four level, which is, hey, she's saying she's fine, but something's still diff, something's weird. And so it's mm -hmm. now able to take in estimations and assumptions and it's only going to get continue to get better because the scale, every single year, AI is growing at a 10x rate. So what we see today, a year from now, is going to be radically shifted so because they're scaling the neurological connections. So real quick, because I love the analogy you used of chat GPT-3 being bird brain. Um, where, and, and of course, the, the goal and of the fear being that we want to get to the, the human brain size. So bird brain human brain, where would you say we are right now with four? That's a great question. So, so to kind of finish that loop is artificial intelligence is something that can do tasks really, 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 really well. Artificial general intelligence is human-like intelligence. There's a very big difference. Right now we're playing in the AI space and Sam Altman, the founder of ChatGPT or of OpenAI, um, said that we are probably on a trajectory of about 10 years away from something called AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, where you can't tell if the thing that is being communicated to you is human or AI. Right now, if I type into like, you type anything into ChatGPT, you can kind of tell, okay, this kind of sounds like AI. It's continually getting better and better and better at being able to communicate in a very human-like experience. Yeah. So... So basically, we could expect 10 years from now to have kind of a human brain size in your analogy. Today, we're at like a little bit past a bird brain. Um, I have no idea what has a bigger brain than a bird, but I get it. So 10 years from now, that sounds interesting. Uh, I will, I'll let you get back to why you were talking, but I want to kind of come back to it and see what you yeah. think the implications are of that. But yeah, let's go back to why you think it's, you know, some people are saying AI replaces the need for God. Yeah, so AI, some alarmists are saying that three years is essentially where we're going to get to something called an AGI um, and kind of that human level intelligence. Um, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I do think that we're probably about 10 years away from that, I think. But, but what's wild is 10 years in the span of all of our existence, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years that we've existed, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands as a species, 10 years isn't very big of a, of, of a time frame. So we're literally at the verge of experiencing something called AGI where we will be able to encounter something that we don't know 
whether or not it's a human. AI has been around forever, right? Our, our, if, if I go into Facebook right now, an AI, otherwise known as an algorithm, is deciding what is on my feed. We've lived with AI forever. It's just not been accessible. OpenAI has really opened up the bridges and the gaps between AI and mass market. And so now everybody had access, has access, free access to ChatGPT3. Um, and you know, I was I'm I'm actually really fond of Sam Altman, the, the founder of OpenAI, because the reason why he made it free was he said, I want people to get comfortable with AI now, knowing what's coming 10 years from now. Because if they can get comfortable now, they'll be able to handle and problem solve for the things that are going to come 10 years, from now, 10 years from now that we don't have a real understanding of. So it's really interesting knowing that some of these big players are, are alarmed at how fast it's going and the people who are profiting wildly from it are also concerned, hey, we're building something, but we have to be able to prepare governments. We have to be able to prepare uh, people, societies, communities to be able to um, prevent some of the alarmist challenges that could potentially happen. Mm. Um, he actually, so ChatGPT4 just was released a couple months ago, and he said we could have released it a year ago, and people were begging us to release it a year ago, but we wanted to to very intentionally slow down people's access to it to make sure we are giving people enough time to prepare for it. Um, when it comes to like the, the big question, right? Does, does AI replace God? I think we have to ask ourselves, for most people, what is God? What, what, what is the idea, idea or the concept of a divine being? And I'm not gonna go into any type of like religious perspective, but you know, the, the overall kind of monotheistic perspective of a divine being is it is an all-knowing being. It is an all-present being. It is a all connecting being, uh, and it is a uh, this this thing that's bigger than ourselves. And this idea that tech has replaced the concept of God, maybe not the need for God, but the concept of God, uh, it, it, it's a relatively older concept. And there's a book that I would recommend for everybody who's really interested in this idea called The Four. And it talks about the hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. We take a look at these four platforms. Google literally gives us all the answers we would need. And it continues to get better and better and better. AI is beginning to replace Google. Uh, and I assume there will be an AI platform like ChatGPT that will replace Google in how we collect information. Right now, ChatGPT is rife with errors and misinformation. And so I wouldn't recommend people go to ChatGPT to find answers as much as it is to create content um, on the marketing side or to create something. Uh, but Google has become the all-knowing platform that knows everything about us. It knows every single website we visit frequently. It knows, notice, uh, knows our journey. It knows our triggers. It knows when we visit Facebook, how long we're likely to be on that before we go to an outside platform. Um, and so Google knows everything about us. I mean, we can say that the same thing about any data-driven company like Apple or Facebook, et cetera. But Google is where we get all of our answers now. Amazon is our provider, right? It provide literally, we can order every single thing we ever need on that platform. Amazon knows exactly what we're looking for. I was just talking to my wife. We have a newborn. Well, I guess she's not newborn. She's six months and she's gorgeous. She's amazing. She's the love of my life right now. Uh, and we were just talking about getting like a, uh, a, a high chair. And as soon as we started talking about that, as soon as I went to Amazon to buy a book for something completely different, the ad was on baby products and a high chair. It knew exactly what we were talking about. Uh, you know, Apple connects us to everything through our devices. I have my phone right here, I have my Apple watch. And so instead of being connected through a religious experience, we're being connected through technology. And then Facebook is the thing that allows us to be uh, social. And so typically it, was, it used to be churches, and now we find ourselves on the single platform, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, or a social platform for hours a day. There was one point I was on, like, you know how Apple or an iPhone will tell you, like, you've spent this much time on, yeah. on, oh, yeah. on I like, I'm like, how, I didn't even know I had that much time to give it. It's I wild know. where we're spending our time. 
So yeah. this idea of like, where are we finding our answers? Where are we getting our provision? Where are we connecting with people? And how are we getting connected with people? Traditionally, that's been a lot of religious institutions where the concept of God has been the underlying theme of that. And now we're finding that with technology and with AI moving into AGI, I think there's going to be a really incredible opportunity and challenge of people of faith or people who, who you know, believe a variety of things to really identify, well, if I'm getting everything I used to need from a divine being from AI now, where is the need for that divine being? Which I think is really interesting. And uh, I think a lot of people of faith have, you know, I, I come from a background of faith. I, I used to work in full-time ministry for eight years. Um, I, before becoming an entrepreneur, I was going to be a pastor. And I think one of the biggest questions that a lot of people are faith of faith are facing right now is how do we stay connected despite the things that could easily replace mm. concepts of faith? Yeah, that's, that's I, I really liked um, how you broke it down. I mean, it was an interesting way to break it down. Like, what is the concept of God? What are the what are the components of it, and why a church or you know? Um, any other religious establishment that meets together, why they were established and why they're so successful. Um, it's, it's interesting how, yeah, is that being replaced by what we have here? Um, and it's also this, this idea of AI getting to know us, right? And so it's this individual relationship with this thing we can't see or touch that knows us and helps us and guides us it's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely strange. I mean, I asked ChatGPT if it knew me and it definitely did. And, uh, I asked it to describe who I am and what I do. And, and it was three, 3.5 was like, all right, whatever. Or 4.0 was like, uh, okay, that's, that's pretty spot on. Um, you know, something you said that I found really interesting, Sean, uh, I did not know that about Sam Altman that, uh, 4.0 was ready to go a while ago, but that he's actually had to throttle releasing so that the humanity can catch up to it that in and of itself is frightening it's a little bit weird to me can you imagine having tech it's like uh he's like he's like the guy from uh he's like theranos it's like he's got like in his hands like the ability to just like destroy humanity and he's like no humanity is not ready for this so i will benevolently benevolently release this in Wow. So to me, it's like, hey, we're already in its own way working for AI, <laughs> right? Like AI, we we have to adapt for it. Um, and that is interesting. I, I watch, you said you have a six month old. I have, um, she'll be 12 months in a few days. By the time this episode comes out, she'll already be a year old. And um, I'm fascinated watching her engage the world around her and her concept of already knowing what Alexa is. Uh, she doesn't speak, she can't say it, but she points at it and goes, eh, eh, eh. It's because she knows that's where Coco Melon plays from. She knows that's where music comes from. So when it's quiet, she knows when a commercial comes on and she goes, points at it, it goes, eh, eh, right? She knows like, this isn't what I want. This is not what you're providing. And it's like, she's gonna grow up in a world. My, my nephews, they, they'll call me and they, they love having fun. And they, they asked me the other day, they're like, hey, do you know the capital of some country? And I don't remember. And I'm like, no. And they start giggling to both of them. I'm like, why? They're like, why don't you just ask Alexa? And I'm like, yeah, just, mm, this isn't a world. That doesn't come natural to me, right? Like, it, it's like, for them, it's, that's natural. Um, we have all these resources at our disposal. Why would we not use it? And so it is very, very interesting. And you're right, 10 years. First of all, I personally, just from what I'm seeing, I feel like we're gonna pace up. The reason, I think what, what maybe Sam, I'm, not, I'm wondering if Sam had considered this in his 10-year analysis. Everyone else now, there are billions of dollars being poured in by VCs now into this world. The billions that are now Google, Apple, and all these companies are gonna pour in now I wonder if AGI doesn't come out sooner because there's this velocity that gets added through more people trying, right? For a while, it was just Sam and Google and a couple people dabbling. Um, but now it's going to be like, I'm working on an AI tool, right? Like we're working on an AI tool to do one function in our company that we really see no one's doing and it's expensive. Like, 
I feel like if I'm doing it, I feel like every Tom, Dick, and Harry's out there playing with it in some way, and people far smarter than me might decide to get into the other side of it. So what do you think about that? Was Sam taking that into consideration when he came up with the 10 years, that there's everyone else and their moms are going to be working on it now? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what his thinking process was. What I yeah. can say, and what, I think what's a really interesting idea to explore is AOL was available to the public in the 90s, and yet the military was using it in the 60s. Not AOL, but internet. They were using yeah. it in the 60s. 30, 40 years before anyone had the idea or concept of what the internet was. And so I wouldn't be surprised if 30, 40, 50 years ago, let's say in the 90s, when we were just experiencing the internet, there were government agencies, military um, complexes, industrial complexes that were already playing in this space. And now it's just available to us. I mean, I think of, of how wild it is to consider maybe AGI already exists. We just don't have access to it at, yeah. a, at a corporate level or at a, at, a, at a market level. But there are militaries currently using it. I mean, you take a look at um, some of the military tactics. One of those tactics is propaganda. Uh, the easiest way to create propaganda right now would be to take a video that's AI generated of a leader and publish it across a country saying one specific thing and destroying that person's reputation or leading a narrative or creating a oh. uh, belief around something. I, knowing America's very checkered history of interference in other people's countries, knowing where China and Russia are at right now, I would not be surprised if there are military uses of AI and AGI right now. So who knows where 10 years the public will have access to? Um, and I mean, who really knows what we already have as a species in a very few people's hands? God, that's frightening, but that's so true. So here, I'll confess this. We sleep well tonight. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell you what, I sleep great whatever i've always i've been that guy that if there's a nuke coming and people are running and frantically i'm like i don't want to survive in a bunker for 30 years it's just yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna hold my arms out and be like take me like, be, let it be, i am 100 percent the same way if yeah, there's like a zombie apocalypse just let me be in the first wave so i don't have to deal with it yeah i just yeah exactly um damn i forgot my oh so this is a funny thing you, you mentioned how ai might create this video of a leader saying something or whatever okay did you see that uh oh, you have to have seen it the the pope the puffy jacket like the really 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 snazzy you know okay so i i confess i saw that thing come up and i was like no effing way what is he doing this is ridiculous right so i take this and i sh i remember showing it to my wife like look what the, what the hell what is this pope doing and she looks at it, she's like, dude, what? Like, the church has really you know, come a long way. So we had a good one-minute conversation, a chuckle. I didn't care much. I'm like, hey, Pope can wear whatever he wants to wear. It's still white and still looks like a robe, so he's good. Until the next day, it comes out. Like, I read a post where they're like, guys, this was totally fake. And I felt so stupid. I'm like, how, how easy was that? How freaking easy was that? Now, also, you talk about military use and the fear of propaganda and manipulation. Well, why is it right now that the entire Congress is losing their minds over TikTok and over wanting to get rid of TikTok? Um, is because that is the exact vehicle through which they think that China could do exactly that. 150 million Americans now on an app that Chinese have control over. So think about all the videos that could be injected and how difficult it would be to counteract those and to prove what is what isn't so you're 100 percent right whether agi already exists or whether the groundworks are being laid for it um it is a fascinating uh world i you know it's been said in china already there's a strict control over what videos are proliferated around on TikTok, or or certain they they have very positive and you know learn and study and all these messaging whereas in the us i mean i don't know the last time you opened TikTok, it certainly isn't telling me to go become a better human it's just all kinds of other random stuff um 
so that that is that is interesting um to see where it goes in the future i guess more as marketers right now i guess the question i ask you is are you using it right now in your day-to-day like with what like how are you using it in your day-to-day to make your life easier whether it be marketing or personal life what is a use like one specific use give us an example that you started using yeah um i think before answering that i think speaking back to the idea of how this tool is getting used um i mean I think in the next two years, we're going to see massive legislation, at least within the U.S., uh, on AI. Um, oftentimes, Congress, the Senate, um, the executive branch, the judicial branch, um, just the U.S. government in, in like totality is a very slow-moving institution. And it's designed that way. It's designed to be able to slowly move so it doesn't hurt as um, people in kind of whiplashed legislation. So we will see in the next two years massive legislation after some things have taken place where they can now say hey that happened we need to make that illegal and so i think there's a lot of danger that's taking place um that, that's going to take place and sam actually mentioned this in an interview i listened to him it was like a two-hour interview i recommend everyone go listen to it um where he said we know that the product we're creating is going to hurt people at some level and it's going to do massive good and it's going to hurt people. It's going to rob people of jobs and they're not going to be able to recover from that. It's going to rob people of, um, uh, you know, stability within their, their, the economic, their economic stability. And he's very familiar. He, he's aware of how harmful it'll be. And it was actually really refreshing to hear that because we take a look at Facebook and Facebook's scale model was, was massive and has done a lot of damage to different government institutions. I mean, we take a look at 2016 election and Cambridge Analytica and how people have leveraged the data that Facebook has made available. And now we're just seeing within the next, the last two years, legislation on things that Facebook has been doing really, really harmful things over the last six, seven years. So I think we have to recognize that if we are not at the leading edge of AI, if we're not playing with it, if we are not getting familiar with it, we will get run over by it. And it's not going to stop. So one of the things I made an early decision on is, okay, AI, I've been using AI for probably about 18 months now. Um, and not as extensively, because you know we've just used some uh, text generators with, with AI, um, like Jasper and Jarvis and, and stuff like that. Um, and now probably for the last six months, I've dived really deep, like listening and studying and reading for four hours a day, just everything I can on AI. And what I've uncovered, the best case studies is that AI has a really hard time at, at this point. I, I won't say for a year from now, because it might be even better a year from now. It will be. But right now, it takes a zero. You know, it takes a prompt, an idea that you give it, and it takes a zero and turns it into a three or four. And then you as a human can go in and say, okay, this is how I, I would actually say this, but at least it gives you something to start with. I have a really hard time taking something from zero to 10, but I can look at someone else's something and say, oh my God, there's a million ways I would make that better. Uh, And I think as entrepreneurs, we naturally do that. So by giving ChatGPT or by Jasper or whatever, all these AI platforms, this prompt, and it gives me a three, four or five, I can then take it to that 10. Some of the things that we've been practically using it for is script writing. So um, our next season of our podcast is going to be pure AI generated. The script's going to be AI generated. The voice is going to be AI generated. It's going to be my voice that I have uploaded 25 files of my voice in different scenarios, different situations, saying things in a high pitch and in a low pitch and soft and with pauses. And I've uploaded all these files and this AI is going to be able to replicate and it already is replicating my voice. So we're going to be creating a whole season of a podcast without me ever saying a thing. I'm writing the script. And then with AI, I'm writing the script. I'm uploading the script to uh, what's called 11 Labs. And then 11 Labs is going to give me the MP3 um, version of it in my voice, which is really cool. The other things that have been really helpful is email sequences. So what I've asked ChatGPT is say, hey, um, I've, I've seasoned it and I've told it, hey, these are my dream clients. Uh, this is what they like. This is their personality types. This is what they've bought from me. 
I want you to write 10 emails that would get them to buy my next thing. And it spits out 10 emails that are almost really, really like perfect. Um, and I tweak a couple of things here and there. Um, but I think what's really important is the output you receive from AI is only as good as the input. In other words, it will not, it, it'll give you crap if the prompt is crap. It will give you really solid information or really solid creation if the prompt is really solid. So what you want to do is you want to make sure you're telling it exactly who it's for, why it's being written, um, you know, in, in what framework to follow. So one prompt, for example, is, hey, my client's name is Tara. Tara is making about $3,500,000 a year. She wants to scale and break that seven figure. Um, she has already purchased from me $30,000 worth of services. She really enjoys a step-by-step -step framework. Um, can you write three emails following the PAS, you know, problem, agitate, solve, copywriting method, as if you were a seven-figure coach and the emails are, the goal of the emails is specifically to get them to buy my mastermind or my retreat or whatever. Um, the more specific the input, the better and greater the output will be. So if you're using ChatGPT, just make sure you're being as specific as possible. And the really cool thing about ChatGPT is you can save that thread. So I have one thread designed for my dream clients. It's literally named um, Sean Q's dream clients. I've told it who my dream clients are. I've told it how much they're making. I told them all their personalities. And now I can say, hey, can you write for Tara this thing? And it remembers all the information I gave it to it previously. So make sure you're not just like, write me an email. Okay, cool. Give it more details and the email will be more detailed. So, yeah. and, I, and I think that that's one of the big messages that even I missed when I first went into ChatGPT. I think most people miss. Um, and so, of course, I was like, right away, out of the gate, like, write me an outline for an article about blah, blah, blah. Well, and then I get the outline and this is so generic, right? Like, write me a tweet I can post. Well, this is so generic. I don't want to post this. And then I started to say, well, okay, here's examples. Here's four examples of tweets I really like. I'm trying to target these types of people. Uh, they don't want the general knowledge. They want some specifics. Use data, use statistics, use you know research, use case studies, use da 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 da. And um, it's funny, because you can actually tell it. You'd be like, hey, I'm gonna talk and teach you stuff. Like, can you please just listen and uh, wait for me to ask you for something? And, and ChatGPT's like, yeah, no problem. Like, I'll listen. And then you keep feeding it stuff. So recently, I, I in this was pretty interesting. So I've told this story maybe on this podcast already once. Um, I'm laying in bed. I can't sleep. I got my phone in ChatGPT. I pull it up on the phone, and I'm like, all right, this is the least likely place I would be to write an outline for a new book that I want to create, right? Least likely place. I'm not going to do it at 1130 at night, exhausted from the day, and put, having to put my kid to bed. And so I just started playing with ChatGPT. Here's my audience. Here's who I'm talking to. Here's who I am. Here, um, here, you know. And then, of course, it was like, hey, if you want me to write the entire chapter, like, please feed me some chapters from your current book. I didn't get to do that yet. And I just kept massaging, massaging. And we wrote an outline for a book um, about using free in marketing that I got to be honest was pretty impressive. And what I love is I, I asked it this weird prompt. And I thought, let me ask. Let's see what it does. So I said, hey, are there other books? that talk about free in marketing that have hit New York Times bestseller or other top rankings. Can you tell me like three or four or five? I said three to five. And it came back and said, yeah, here, here's, here's five books that talk about this. And I was like, well, is there anything in these books, any concepts talked about or discussed in around the realm of free marketing that we haven't covered in our outline above that we wrote? And it comes back and says, yeah, here's four or five things that we haven't talked about. Great. Can you make sure we restructure the outline to consider these as well and put these in there as well? And it literally just did it. And I remember thinking, holy crap, that would take me a half an hour. Just that. Well, first of all, it would take me a lot longer to go find all these books, go through the books, see what concepts are in the books. That, that's a day. But I'm like just even learning that and then implementing that into my outlines a half an hour to an hour task to go rearrange my whole outline. So I literally laid in bed there and probably chatted with her for about 15 to 20 minutes giving it that knowledge and easily the outline it created was for me a three to four day task between me and my team and stuff like that like easily right so we haven't written the book or anything but I was fascinated by how important it is to prompt it talk to it give it examples ask it questions 
Um, and, uh, and so just kind of thought I'd highlight that for everyone who's listening is, you know, AI needs still the human interaction and the knowledge. And what we're saying is when we get to AGI, maybe it won't need that. You know, maybe it'll be a lot more simpler to be able to say, here's what I'm looking for. I think what I'll also say about that is the way that we've shifted our mindset is to think of it as a, as a real person. So oh, I've named yeah. my chat GPT and I, it, and I will speak to it like a real person. And I now have an assistant that I have access to 24 seven. And sometimes an assistant needs clarification. Sometimes I need clarification. And so if it needs clarification, just give it the clarification. I think we've been so primed to like, I ask it, it gives me exactly what I need and perfect. I think there's something there as well to speak to like what our expectations are of AI, but also what our expectations are of ourselves and of humans. I think so often we get so bogged down by perfection. Um, so I'm a high ticket sales coach. I take, you know, I help people build high ticket offers, build their group programs, et cetera. And one of the major challenges a lot of people face is perfectionism is uh, this has to be perfect for people. And if I sell it, it has to be perfect for them. And what that tells me it, about human behavior and human psychology is that people have a really negative and harmful and I'd even say destructive relationship with disappointment or with failure. And mm -hmm. they want to avoid those things as much as possible. So they will actually stay frozen. They'll be inactive simply to avoid the pain of disappointment and failure. And so when we're working with AI, when we think of it as a human and it doesn't give us the perfect answer, I think we have to ask ourselves, what are we expecting from this tool? And then what are we also expecting from ourselves? And are we being fair to this tool that has a little bit bigger than a bird-sized brain? And yeah. are we using it in a way where we're giving it grace? I think as we begin to grow with AI, we're gonna have to treat it more human-like and beginning now, the more human you are to it. What's really cool, I heard this from um, Molly Mahoney. She said, if you're mean to ChatGPT, it'll be kind. But if you're really kind to ChatGPT, it'll be over the top kind with you because you're telling it how to treat you. And so say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I, I say that all the time to my ChatGPT. Um, you, you've been so helpful. I can't believe this. Like you, you got it perfect. Thank you so much. So be kind to yourselves, be kind to AI and recognize as you begin to massage it, sometimes an hour long project might take you a minute or might take you 10 minutes, but yeah. it's still taking an hour long project or a two day project and yeah. bringing it in. No, and, and the memory, right? So that's the other thing people don't realize is it, the hour long project takes 10 minutes today, but it might take three minutes tomorrow because the memory in the chat is there. So that chat I had with ChatGPT about, the free book outline, it's still there. I don't remember the outline, it does. And um, when we go back and if I wanna now, let's say I wanna go back and say, hey, write me some tweets and some LinkedIn posts and some social media posts about free marketing, like all of that conversation we've had in the target market and the things I like and the things I don't and the outline of the book, it has it. And so like my tweets and everything will be better, will be quicker rather than me having to retrain it all the time. And I thought, thought that was pretty interesting too. So it, it, like many things that are worth having, it takes a little bit of time to get it there. Um, what are some applications? I, I know that we talk marketing, Sean, I'm curious. What are some applications you think at a more macro level? We talked a little bit about this earlier, uh, military, government, economics. Where do you see some of the AI um, influence where are you seeing like what are we missing as marketers who are siloed in our little i wanted to use it to write copy and write social media posts what's the bigger thing happening here where where else are you seeing this potential where it could be used for good or for evil i think the first thing that comes to mind is the education sector um when chatgpt 3 came out uh, 3.5 came out for the public a lot of students were using it to write essays and there were some professors who were saying, use it, great. And then like, write from what it gives you. There are a lot of professors who are saying, if you use it and we catch you, we're gonna mark you as plagiarism. Um, and so very two very different reactions from it. Um, there's a judge that did the first case and the decision was made by AI. So essentially the judge took the case arguments from both the prosecutor and the defendant the defense put them into AI 
and then said, what should I decide? What What is the better argument here? And the judge didn't decide. The, ju uh, the judge decided based off of what the AI gave it. Um, the other thing that I'm thinking is there are um, legislation. So like what we'll be able to do is say, hey, here's the problem that we're facing. Uh, you know, um, within this community, there are 32% um, minorities and out of the 32%, 78% are living under the poverty line. This is all of the data we have on it. What is the best legislation to raise the quality of, quality of life for these individuals? And it'll be able to create legislation instead of us having to figure out a problem, it'll problem solve for us. So I think there's a lot of application for it that's currently being used that obviously we're in a very marketing sales world. Um, but I, I think also, I mean, we, we use AI already uh, in so many different ways, or at least AI is being used around us in so many different ways. Social media, like I mentioned, the algorithm is an AI. It, its task is to put the best content that it thinks is gonna be the most engaging for us based off of our past behavior in front of us on our feed. Yeah. Um, you know, there's AI that with, with advertising, I mean, any good advertiser is really just a data miner and finding the best data to be able to make the best advertising decision. So it, they're, they're just trying to put the right ad in front of the right person at the same time. Mm -hmm. So AI is being used all around us already. Um, if there's any like if there's any like piece of encouragement I can give someone, it's lean in. Right now, it's, it's it is literally the wild wild west. Nobody has a grasp of it. Everybody is in a. Um, Perry Belcher said everyone is in a perpetual state of newbiness. Nobody is an expert because it's changing so rapidly that if you were an expert last month, it, it's different now. It's changed. It's completely new. And so continue to learn. Continue to grow. We. We don't know when there'll be a slowdown, but we do know that right now it's moving. And if if you're on the bus, then you're going to be in the best place to be able to make the best decisions for yourself. Um, yeah. I'll tell you another case study. So I had a friend um, who was having a really hard time financially and asked AI and said, hey, I'm looking for some, some government assistance in this situation. I don't have food for my kids. I, I need rental in, um, rental insurance there's this application. How do I fill this application out in a way that's actually going to get noticed? They were able to fill out the application for like SNAP and some other government benefits, and they were able to get approved. And it took them three minutes as opposed to what the prompt said, like this application will typically take you about two hours. It took them three minutes to start filling it out and get it done. And I think it took them in total 15 minutes to click through all the application and for them to get access to the resources that they needed. Um, so I think it, it can do incredible good. You just have to start using it, get in front of it, start putting yourself in places where you're learning and you're making all the mistakes and you're like, let me just play with it. I'm in bed. Let me write a book. Uh, so continue to play with it and you'll continue to get better at it. Yeah. I mean, so one that you didn't mention that I read a fascinating article about as far as where AI could be incredibly helpful, right? So good. Let's focus on the good longevity. Um, helping us live longer, healthier, and that was in healthcare in many, 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 many ways. So being able to upload a sample of your blood and then uploading symptoms and uploading other test results and having this bad boy just go through the whole thing and come out and first of all, not only tell you what's wrong with you, but to actually tell you which meds will work for you based on genetic components and which meds you are more likely to have reactions to um, so that's one level. It gets deeper because there was a there is a company out right now doing research on customized like medications. So it actually would create medications that are just for you based off of what it reads on you. Um, and then the last one that was pretty fascinating was actual surgeries. Um, the thing is, there's a lot of actually this was scary to read about how much human error still exists in surgeries. Makes sense. I mean, I'm not going to pass judgment. You, you, you've got a, a human doing surgery in an intricate, on a human, like an intricate process. One little twick of the knife and then you're cutting into something different. And it's a lot of human error in surgeries and healthcare that lead to a lot of deaths. And that, that human error, just that gets removed. That just artificial intelligence just doesn't know that, right? So in removing tumors, for example, uh, AI can be in there 
studying at a cellular level to make sure it gets every cell out versus a human can never do that. Uh, you're going to take it out. You might leave a piece of it in there that's going to just rebuild or whatever, but the AI could actually get it in there. Now you've got surgeries happening all over the world that are being run by doctors at other parts of the world, right? And so that, to me, I started to say, that's pretty, that, that changes things, right? Even your medical care going in to see a doctor, um, there is so much error. I know that when I was first sick, this is going back to when I was a kid, and it took um, probably over a year, to, I think it was about a year to diagnose me with what I had, and that year was torture. Um, and I don't blame anybody. They were working with the best. Take a, do a test, wait a week, try something, try some meds, take, take a test. And this is all stuff that year's worth probably be a week in the future, if not less, where the AI could go in and say, this is what's wrong, this is how you fix it, here's a solution. So um, I think there's a lot of, very, and, and, and so that, right? So there's another, right? Is artificial intelligence replacing God? Now it's got a healing component to it, right? So it's like, now it's the healer. Which is which is an interesting interesting debate out there. You were going to say something. Go ahead. You know, with with so two things. The first is um, there was a something I read where I think it was on Reddit. It was an article on Reddit that talked about how there is a cellular sized capsule that can now get released into the bloodstream and target based off of AI built so 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 tiny. Uh, target cancerous cells before they become yeah. cancerous cells. So not only is it healing, it's also preventative. Uh, I think there's such an incredible opportunity, like I said, for for so many different industries to really leverage AI. Um, I, th I think there is an importance of having like a historical perspective as well with this. I mean, we take a look 200 years ago, the best, 300, 500 years ago, the best medical advice was, was nil. It, it, it wasn't useful at all. A lot of people thought illness was spread by smell or aroma. So they would wear these long beaks. You've probably seen them. And at the very end of the long beak were flowers because they thought if they didn't smell the illness, they wouldn't get sick. Doctors would actually do surgery They'd have blood on their hands. They'd move to the next person. They'd do surgery, have more blood on their hands, go to the next person. And when germ theory was introduced, there was a huge backlash. The person who actually introduced germ theory was killed because of his belief that germs passed illness, not demons or witches or anything like that, um, or ghosts or goblins, but but germs do. And he was killed for it. Um, and now germ theory is one is is the leading our leading scientific understanding of illness and sickness. And so now doctors wash their hands and they wear all of these gowns before they do medication. And so we take a historic perspective. We're living in the most abundant era of our species existence ever in the history of our existence as a species. And it's only gonna continue to get better and better and better. The world is wealthier than it's ever been. Um, the world is, is fuller on food than it's ever been. Uh, the average human now has over 250,000 or 2,500 2, um, calories every single day accessible to them. Um, democracy has expanded in the 18th century as 1% of our species existed in a free or relatively free society. Now it's two thirds of human societies are free or relatively free democracies. Uh, I mean, you take a look at, like I said, medication. Medication has gotten dramatically cheaper and more accessible. Diagnoses are more... Um, um, uh, uh, clearer and certain um, before it'd be, well, you just need to, there, there was actually a study that was done um, and there were, there are hundreds of thousands of diagnoses we can have now. You see like the DSM on the psychological side, the DSM continues to get bigger and bigger, which is essentially like the Bible for therapists and psychologists to be able to identify, okay, what, what diagnosis, what mental diagnosis is this? It continues to expand because we get a greater understanding of the world around us. And we can think, I mean, we can take a look at like things like 500 years ago, the number one way to cure an illness was through things like prayer. And the success rate was really, 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 really low. The mortality rate was 30 years old. Like the, the human lifespan was 30 years old. Now it's 75 and it's because we have cleaner areas. We have 
medicine, we have greater understandings of science and the reliability of things like Tylenol to get rid of a headache is really, really, really high compared to some of the other things. And so I think there's a lot of grappling that needs to be taken, that, that's taking place right now. And as AGI begins to emerge as a healer, as a preventer, as a provider, as a um, you know protector, as a uh, connector, there's definitely going to be some conversations, I think, in the faith communities around around this. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. All right. So closing question, uh, more immediate rather than 10 years or three years or five years. What, what's got you excited about AI? What, where are you applying it? What's the next thing or where where do you see AI being like, hey, I'm really excited about this thing. It's happening pretty soon. Um, so right now we're training our chat GPT to be a salesperson for us. And so what we're training it to do is how do you overcome objections? How do you overcome things? So when we hire more social sellers, they will literally be able to tap into ChatGPT and say, while they're in DMs with someone, oh, this is the objection or this is what they said, literally copy it, paste it in ChatGPT and say, how should I respond? And it'll be seasoned enough with our responses to be able to tell them what to respond, which is really cool. Wow. So I'm really excited about being able to serve more people and get people the solutions that will actually support them and help them in creating the life of their dreams. Um, I think that's what we're most excited about like right now. We're also creating our podcasts and our books, like all the fun sales assets and marketing assets. But I think that is what's really cool is being able to empower our team to yeah. do more consistent and, and, and grade A work across the board. That's awesome, man. Um, where can people go to follow your work? Where can people go to give you money like I did? Where can people find out more about Sean Q? Yeah, um, follow me on Facebook. I'm most active there. If you send me a message, I will respond. Um, so you can go to facebook.com forward slash hey Sean Q. H-E-Y-S-H-A-W-N. Uh, that's the right way to spell Sean, by the way. S-H-A-W-N, uh, Q, the letter, dot com, um, uh, at hey Sean Q um, is my user everywhere else. Or you can just go to hey Sean Q.com, which is my website. Awesome. Everybody, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Sean, it's been fascinating. I'm looking forward to following up with you, having a follow-up as well. Talk about where AI is going. Uh, my predictions are it won't be 10 years. I think it'll be a lot shorter. And um, I also feel like it's not going to be as doom and gloom. I, I, I think it's fun to talk about the doom and gloom and the end of the humanity. I don't think it will be that. Um, I think it'll be something that we'll learn. Yes, I do think it's going to be very disruptive. I think a lot of jobs are going to be gone, but those people will find different jobs. And, um, they, you, know, you know, we've had technology is always one. Um, and, and we're still here and we still survive. So with that, Sean, thanks for being here. Guys, guys go to heysheanq.com. And like he said, S-H-A-W-N. That's how you really spell Sean. You can tell that was a, we hit a, hit a, hit a spot with him. Uh, and further, uh, onikshow.com. If you want to binge listen to all of our episodes and check out all the things we got going on, onikshow.com, onikpodcast.com. Um, make sure you subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to and give us a great review. Help us get up those rankings. And everybody, love you guys. Stay strong. Use AI. Get used to it. Sam said get used to it now or it's going to bulldoze you in the future so get used to it now uh, with that said this is onik reminding you when life pushes you stand straight smile and push it the heck back see you in the next one bye